Welcome, everyone, to the Mindful Matters podcast by the Blue Matter Project. My name is Elaine Clark, your host and lead facilitator with the Blue Matter Project. This podcast brings together practitioners, thought leaders, teachers, and inspiring individuals on how to best support your mental health and well-being. Today on the podcast, I have with me Ganwa Shanwaz. Ganwa is a post-disciplinary artist, mental health blogger, creative entrepreneur, fitness enthusiast, and a single mother. She has made it her mission to redefine humanity by challenging what it personally means to us and what we need to truly thrive. Ganwa was recently featured in a film documentary, hashtag self-help, discussing the current Canadian healthcare system and creating an online mental health community. She's also been featured in the Toronto Star, discussing the stigma behind abortions and mental health. In today's episode, we dive into Ganwa's personal experience with bipolar, anxiety, and PTSD. She speaks to us about crushing stigmas associated with mental health, the importance of self-advocacy, and feeling confidently human. Ganwa, it's an honor to have you here today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Wow, just hearing all of that in a short span of time was like such a huge confidence booster. So Thank you for putting that together. That's beautiful. I'm so excited to be here. I've been following your journey and I'm so excited to have you here as a guest. I feel like we have so much to talk about today. And one of the things that I love so much about you is that you wear a ton of hats. And the one that I think you wear with the most pride is being human. Uh, let's start off today with your journey. I'm really curious, where did this all start for you? And what brought you to the point in your life where you feel such a strong call to tell your story? That's such a good question. Um, I feel like there's no real clear answer to like that one moment where it all just happened because it didn't happen overnight. It was a progression of going through really challenging times and a lot of unfortunate events and they just kept piling up and every day just noticing how much of an effect it was having on myself and my mental health. Um, I was coming out of a very toxic marriage. I was trying to raise my son. I didn't really feel like I was fitting in anywhere. And I, like, you know, you mentioned all the different hats that I wear. I couldn't find one thing to pursue. And I just decided to control the narrative of my life and my story. Um, and so that's really where the storytelling part came in, where I felt like the more I share with people, the more others people like other people were kind of reciprocating in the same way and they found it relatable and I didn't feel lonely anymore I didn't feel like I was the only one going through these struggles so it was really just a progression of that um that kind of pushed me and the strong call came about to like share what I'm going through Mm -hmm. Well, what I love so much in the way that you tell your story is that you tell it with so much honesty and power and conviction. Uh, the experiences that you've gone through are all very human topics. And I love that you can confidently and openly talk about them. Uh, so often, I think a lot of us might shy away from talking about our wounds because of the stereotypes that are associated with them. Um, tell us a little bit more about your experience with bipolar anxiety and PTSD. Um, for when it comes to my diagnosis, they all happened at a different time in my life. Um, one of the lowest moments was probably when I was uh, 19 and I had heard for the first time even like what bipolar is. So I was really shook and the stereotypes and stigmas that I carried with myself 
from how I've been raised or what I've seen in the media, I started to kind of build this really false um, illusion that I could cure myself or fix myself rather than really stepping into my power and just being me. Um, at that age, it didn't really kick in the severity of what was going on and the damage it was causing to me mentally. So as I moved along and stayed committed on and off um, with my journey with mental health and medical professionals and therapy, I started to learn more and more about anxiety and then PTSD. And then now I've come to a point where I can really understand uh, these terms and these illnesses and how it affects me. Um, but it took a lot of work to kind of deconstruct some of the beliefs that were passed on or um, just the things that I picked up along the way that now I don't agree with. But at that time, I had really believed that I was damaged or, you know, I've, I'm a failure or just to deny my illnesses. So it's really been an up and down journey for a very long time up until now. Now that I'm 27, I find that I'm able to really humanize these topics and look at them with compassion rather than judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think after going through certain life challenges or altering experiences, we can really start to spiral into a dark space of feeling like a failure or feeling like we're damaged. I love that you've taken all of your experiences and then humanized them, and then you've redefined the narratives. Can you talk to us about some of the ways you've redefined these narratives? For sure. Um, it's been a continuous journey, and I still can't say that there's a cookie cutter way of doing this, but I know it always starts with self-awareness and finding out first, like, what are you feel feeling? Um, and then from there, talking to yourself as a best friend rather than, you know, I find like we could be our worst critics because we're in our minds all the time. And especially if you have a lot of negative chatter or if you overthink or some of your symptoms from your illnesses, um, you know, you start thinking things and you really start identifying with those thoughts and you start believing like this is who I am because look at the thoughts that I'm having. So for me, it was really writing it down, going to therapy and asking for help to shift that perspective because I didn't want to look at myself as a failure or damaged. And so it took a lot of work kind of tapping into the resiliency and the good, the the achievements that I've made over the years and looking at myself from that light helped me really change the narrative of where I'm trying to go and how to express, um, you know, some of the challenges that I've had in a more positive or optimistic way. And I think like that's one of the most difficult things to do is to really sit with yourself and learn to forgive yourself and build that relationship with yourself because we're so quick to do it for others. Um, but it's honestly one of the most rewarding journeys that I feel like I've been on just being my best friend and being there for myself rather than projecting that on others or hoping that, you know, some kind of miracle will happen and everything will be fine. Right. Mm hmm. Is there any particular narrative that you struggled with the most? I know for some people, it can be like divorce or abortion or um, certain mental illnesses. Which one for you would you say that you struggled with the most? That's a very tough one um, because like I have been through a divorce. I have had two abortions and there's been a lot of, a lot of struggles, but I think 
the most challenging one is probably telling myself that I'm enough and capable. Just that belief that I have all the tools and if I don't have them as yet, I have, I'm capable of learning new strategies and adding to my toolbox so that I can achieve the dreams and future that I've always wanted for myself. There's always this like negative chatter. I, I'm, it could be from my childhood. It could be from the anxiety. It could be from like, you know, a bunch of different things, but the constant not believing in myself. So that's, that's definitely hard. I still experience that till this day. That's like ongoing. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I'm really curious. What has been the most important step you've taken in your healing journey? Most important step I've taken in my healing journey, I would say, is admitting that I need help and that I needed help. That is something that always comes up, even before learning to love myself or educating myself about the illnesses that I have. It's always just saying, like, you know what, I need help. And it's hard to admit that to yourself, let alone others. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of self-awareness. But I think that's really crucial for, for myself personally when it comes to healing. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally agree with that. I think it's, I think I've battled through uh, much longer, you know, by myself and not realizing, hey, you could have just reached out and, and gotten support a lot sooner rather than just sort of staying stuck and spiraling into that dark place of, of shame or isolation. You feel like you could do it by yourself, you know, and I feel like sometimes when I'm in a manic episode, um, I feel like I can just do it all, you know, and that's when I have to really detach from my illness and say, what does Ganwa really need right now? And be very honest with myself. That's another part that's like really difficult, being honest with yourself, that you can't carry on this way. Yeah, I agree 100%. I feel like after we've gone through some really challenging or even traumatic experiences uh, where our trust has been broken, it is so challenging to rely on others again. And we feel like we have to be super strong and independent. For anyone who is struggling with building their trust back up after a traumatic experience, what steps would you suggest that they take? Uh, and I'd also love if you could talk to us a little bit about the importance of interdependence. I feel like when you've gone through a very challenging time or a traumatic experience, the first thing, like for me personally, the first thing I needed to do was just be by myself and try to really feel and process what is going on because the world works way too fast, you know, and sometimes you need to allow yourself to be patient with yourself um, so that others can be patient with you too. And that was really challenging, but spending that time with myself to understand what's going on and how it's impacting my daily life helped me to speak up and tell others how I need them to be there for me. I went through the whole being dependent to being codependent to being independent and strong and I could do it all by myself and I don't need anybody and now I've come to a point, thanks so much to my therapist, but I've come to a point now where I've shifted my perspective and I 
truly, truly believe in interdependent relationships and friendships, which is more of, um, you know, you help each other thrive, that you do need people, you do need community, um, you do need your peers there to lift you up, and they need you there to lift them up. And that's really where we all can interdependently thrive and create something bigger. And that's what I feel like taking that step has helped me create the kind of online community I have on Instagram or with blogging where we can all kind of be there for each other and, you know, pick each other up and also know that if we ever need somebody that they will also be there for us. Right. But it also, there's like very, you have to have boundaries, you have to be respectful, you have to have lots and lots of communication, lots of compassion and, you know, self-advocacy and all these different things kind of play in part. Um, it is very hard to, to find it, but when you do, it's, it's very rewarding and it's very refreshing to have those kind of people in your circle. Yeah. And I think, I think that the hardest part is really establishing that strong sense of self to be your own pillar, but to know that you can have other, uh, other people or other pillars standing by you and next to you. Um, but I guess, I guess what some of the hardest, the hardest part about that, it would probably be just admitting that we actually do need people and that we can't just, you know, be a lone pillar on it uh, by itself. So I love that. I love that you uh, really emphasize the importance of, of that interdependence. It's, um, it's really easy to believe that you could just be that one pillar and do it on your own, but that pillar will only stay up for so long until the burden is so much to carry that you have to be able to step back and look at the bigger picture and just be patient. And, you know, just even saying having a strong sense of yourself, if you don't know who you are, and again, you don't have to know who you are a hundred percent. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy of having these friendships and relationships, but even knowing that, you know, I don't know goes a long way within those interdependent relationships because then people will know how to support you and what you are capable of doing in that time with them, if that makes sense. I think mm -hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this ties really nicely into what I want to talk about next, which is about self-advocacy and self-compassion. Why do you feel it's so important to dig into these topics? I find that um, it's really difficult to dig deep and sit with yourself uh, for me personally, maybe it's just me, um, but I find that it's easier to distract yourself and focus on other things when things are not working out within internally. Um, but who would know you better than you? And even if uh, we, how do I word this? Sometimes we don't even know ourselves, but you know, no one is going to open up your mind and figure you out and tell you who you are. You have to really put in the work for yourself. So for me, self-advocacy was a process of getting to know myself, um, feeling worthy enough to even put in the work to say, okay, again, well, you should, you should start this journey now um, and figure out what those nuances are, what ticks you off, what you like, what makes you happy, what things you actually enjoy so that you know, you have all this understanding of how the world works, how the society works, and how you're expected to be uh, when you're at school or at work or as a mom. But how can you find 
a, a middle zone, like somewhere you can meet in the middle where you know who you are and you know how the world works and that we mesh this together. And that needed a lot of compassion, self-compassion, forgiveness. Um, you know, it's the longest lasting relationship I have is, is with me. So the importance of self-advocacy comes in play because nobody will really know how to love you or support you, how to help you grow or elevate if you can't speak for yourself. Um, medical professionals go a very long way in my journey specifically, good and bad. I've now come to a point where I have an amazing psychiatrist and therapist that work with me rather than working in ways to kind of alter um, what I can't really change. And so taking the educational part of it, reading those resources, um, following accounts on my social media that feed my soul and feed what I'm trying to align myself with. And then all the education that I have and knowledge I have about myself and putting it together and then being assertive and communicating. And also like when it comes to self-advocacy, you necessarily don't really know how to communicate that initially. And so for me, my therapist really helped me understand, you know, how you can use I statements and how to set boundaries. And if you feel there's conflict, how to kind of um, pay attention to those physiological effects, you know, like your, for me, my fingertips start tingling, my nose starts tingling. So like, how could you walk away and calm yourself down for 20 minutes? So all those things kind of put together will help you get to a place where you can thrive and stand up for yourself rather than in situations that stress you out more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you mentioned, you know, finding a therapist. And for anybody that's listening right now who maybe doesn't have support or who's never spoken to a therapist before, what advice would you recommend in terms of uh, seeking, you know, professional support or looking for a therapist that aligns? I think that that step alone takes so much courage. So anybody that's listening and is even considering trying out therapy, like kudos to you, take a moment and just sit in your greatness and celebrate the fact that you are putting in the work for yourself. You find yourself worthy. You believe that you can get through your challenges in, in whatever situation you're in. And just to be patient with yourself and your therapist, because I've had a few therapists and, you know, just as we talk about stereotypes behind mental illnesses, there's also these expectations and stereotypes with therapists where we might feel like we're broken or damaged to go to a therapist. And then we get in there and we think within a session, we're going to have all the answers. It's just like any relationship, you have to try your best as long as you're comfortable to open up and take time and also, you know, see if that therapist is a good fit for you. If you see results, if you see yourself feeling better, if you see that some of the strategies that are suggested that you're practicing are, are working for you, it really goes based off of the chemistry as well. So for me, I've been in therapy for um, about nine years and I've found a good therapist now that I've stuck with for almost two, for almost two years. And uh, she's really helped me believe in myself and 
help me thrive um, and and work with my personality and, and what my goals are. And I think that's really important, having that honest conversation with your therapist of where you're at, where you would like to be. Um, and just like any other, you know, even though it's a professional, I think sometimes for me personally, coming from a South Asian background, it's like it's we put professionals on a very a very high pedestal. So I had to, I felt like I had to go in and play a part, put on a mask and play this part of, you know, I got it, I got it, I got it. But I had to really trust my therapist to break through that and be okay to admit to even her that I'm not okay. I am struggling so that she could better help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think it takes so much courage to to just sort of say, Hey, you know what? I need some help right now. Um, and I, I find even with myself and in my journey, I, I remember the first few times I sort of referenced, uh, having spoken to a therapist, I could, I could feel that sense of that, that stereotype coming up. Like it was, uh, it was like wrong or it didn't sound right. And so I love that you brought up that, that there is a, a stereotype attached to speaking with a therapist. Uh, Ganma, I want to say it's been an honor to learn from you and connect with you. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Where can our listeners find you at this time? Our listeners can find me. I think the easiest way is to just go to my website and it will show you all my social media and everything. So I'm just, if it's okay, I'll just give my website out. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, my name is Ganwa.com and Ganwa is spelled G-H-A-N-W-A. Kenwa, thank you so much for being here with us today, for sharing your wisdom, your experiences. I loved having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. The Mindful Matters podcast is written, hosted, and recorded by me, Aline Clark, edited by Karen Zorzi, and music by Bellwoods Get Back Up. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share with your friends and family. Website and resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the episode notes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blue Matter Project. Thank you so much.